Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. This morning, I want to talk to you. Uh, actually, I'm beginning a new series on the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We just concluded the series on living in the last days. And if you weren't here, you want to avail yourself to those. They're all at allnationstallahassee.com. You can watch them all there. But today, I want to tell you, you know, sometimes we tell people what's going to happen, but we don't tell them how to deal with what's going to happen. So this series of messages is going to equip you tell you how to live in the last days. Not only what to expect, you can read the word and figure that out, but to take you a step further, take you deeper in the things of God and help you and I to recognize that we must be full of the Holy Spirit if we're going to survive and thrive in the day in which we live. We have to understand God's word, God's promises yet true and move through it. Acts chapter one, beginning in verse one, the scripture says these things. The former account I made of the o Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them, I want you to remember that word, commanded. He commanded them. This is not option. This isn't something you can take or leave. It says Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. What did he command them to do? Wait for the promise of the Father. Tie those things together. It's relevant. It's important that we get that in our spirit. Jesus commanded not only the disciples, but you and I to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You see, he talks about the fact that John baptized under repentance, but the Holy Spirit brings us a baptism unto power. Say that with me, power. John baptized to repentance. Holy Spirit baptizes to power. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Let me pause right there. Do you understand so many times the disciples were clueless? But they aren't the only ones. You and I are too. Sometimes we hear the promises of God and we're just like a deer in the headlights. I can't believe that's real. I can't believe that's in the word. Is that really for me? Or then we begin to reason away why that particular promise isn't for us. Well, it ended with the apostolic age. It was another day, another time. You need to keep reading in the book of Acts because the book of Acts says, and this promise is to you, to your children, to all them that are afar off, even to as many as the Lord our God shall call. So let me take you back. He commanded them to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. Then Peter said in Acts 2.42, the promise is to you, to your children, to all them that are afar off. You understand afar off means both distance and time. It means both uh, geographical places and generations to come. 
The promise is to you, to your children, to all that are far off, even to as many as the Lord our God shall call. He's just said this, and then they changed the subject. How many times has the Spirit of God spoken to your heart, and you didn't like what he was saying, so you changed the subject? You hit the fast-forward button. You say, no, God, I'm not comfortable with that. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to experience that. I don't want to go there. Let's change the subject. You want to talk about me? No, I don't want to talk about me. I want to talk about Pastor Isaiah, Holy Spirit. I want to talk about Pastor Yvonne. Holy... I want to talk about Pastor Keturah. You talk about somebody with issues. How many of you? I'm just kidding you, Keturah. I can do that because I love you and you know that. How many of you have ever done that? I don't want to hear it. I don't want to receive it. This is what I want to talk to you about. Change the subject. That's what they did. They changed the subject. He said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. In other words, quit worrying about what you can't control. That's what he told them. Well, if there's a lesson the church needs to learn today, it's to stop worrying about what you can't control. Yesterday morning, I had a call and a text from Pastor Mike and from Rob Foreman. They were here for a security training and in a garbage truck somehow ran the stop sign across Sherrill Road and slammed in the corner of our building. Go around there now, you're going to see all this kind of black plastic covering the building. Took out two air conditioners, took out the utility pole. Someone says to me, do you think we'll have power tomorrow? I really don't care. I can't control it. Nothing I can do about that. I'm not there. I can't put a new pole in. I can't close the side of the wall up. I can't replace it. I can't control it. So many times we worry about what we can't control, and God is saying, stop worrying about what you can't control, and focus on what I'm saying to you. Focus on what I'm speaking to you. Listen to what he said. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Underline that three-letter word in that scripture, Y-O-U. See, because this isn't about somebody else. It's not a promise for a different age. It's not a promise only for those 12 in the room that day. It's a promise to you and I. And you, Y-O-U, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria enter the whole earth. See, God wants to speak to us very clearly over the next few Sundays about the fact that we must learn to live in the power of His promise, the power of Holy Spirit invading and filling our lives. Holy Spirit doesn't want to be remote. He doesn't want to be distant. He doesn't want to be simply a, a name relegated to the Scripture. He is real. He is personal. He is here. And He wants to touch each one of us every day. So if that's the case, if the promise is still true, if Holy Spirit is still real, if He still moves in people's lives, then let me ask you, why are so many powerless? Why are so many ineffective? Why are so many in the kingdom afraid of the forces of darkness? Why are so many in the kingdom distracted and discouraged and despondent? 
when life circumstances turn against them. Why does that happen? If Holy Spirit is real and the promise is true, then why do so many from the church follow false teaching? Because Jesus said, I'm going to give you the comforter. He is the spirit of truth. He will guide you into all truth. So if the Holy Spirit is still real, why do so many follow false teachings? Why do so many turn away after hearing the word of life? Why are churches shrinking across America today if Holy Spirit is still real? Why are over 1,500 pastors every single month in this country resigning from the pastorate? going to do something else. What's missing? What have we failed to understand and failed to apply in our daily lives? There's another question. Why were the first century Christians willing to suffer persecution, imprisonment, beatings, torture, and even death for the cause of the gospel when we can't come to church in a temperature-controlled environment with great sound, with amazing lights, with good preaching, with great music. What's the difference? What's missing? At this point, you can say amen or oh me. It's not going to get any better. Just want to warn you right now. We're going to get down personal in your business where God wants you to deal with issues and aspects where you have shut out the Spirit of God instead of welcomed Him in. Let me answer all those questions for you. It's one very, very simple answer. It's because we no longer believe the promise of Acts 1.8. Because we're Pentecostal in doctrine, Pentecostal in name, but far from it in practice. I've been in some Pentecostal churches that it was like walking into a mausoleum. I mean, not only was it dead and quiet, it also stunk. That's not the will of God. The will of God is that His church be filled with the fire and the power of the Spirit of the living God, that we fear no devil from hell, that we back down from no circumstance, that we stand filled and full of the power of the living God that enables us to confront anything at any time. And walk away in victory. Walk away in victory. Holy Spirit is God's indwelling presence in the life of every believer. Listen, if you feel weak and powerless and weary, you need a refilling of the Holy Ghost. If you're in this place this morning and you're anxious, you're afraid, you feel alone, you need a new baptism in the fire of the Holy Ghost. If you're in this place today and your faith is an inch deep and a mile wide, you need an encounter with the Holy Ghost to take you deeper in God. If you're in this place today and your life looks just the same as it did the day you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to encounter the transforming power, the life-giving power of the Spirit of the living God. Because I've come here to tell you, He will not leave you like you came. He's in the transformation business. He's in the decreasing business, getting rid of the things of the world, breaking off addictions, bondages, and change, and filling you with life from heaven. And if you hope to experience more of God, it's never going to happen until you surrender to the person and the power and the presence of Holy Spirit. 
We need to understand the necessity of living in the power of the Spirit. Listen, I got news for you. Salvation isn't fire insurance. Salvation is the doorway that opens before us to walk into the presence of the King of kings and Lord of lords, to be called a son and a daughter of the Most High God, to be identified as one who walks in the Spirit, not in the flesh, who through the Holy Spirit flows and moves and transforms not only me, but those around me. See, believers were never called to be thermometers. We're called to be thermostats. And it's time to crank the fire up in your life, folks. It's time to crank up the power of the Holy Ghost. It's time to allow your life to make a change in your environment and to touch those around you. And if that isn't happening, you need to go back and check your relationship with Holy Spirit. You need to go back and pull the dipstick one more time and say, am I full or am I empty? You know what happens when you pull the dipstick on your car and there's no oil in that block, don't you? You're going to blow it up. Well, I got news for you. As a believer, if you're trying to operate as a believer without the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit, your life is going to blow up. You're going to be a wreck on the side of the road. You're going to be calling me. You're going to be calling Pastor Isaiah. Oh, you need to pray for me. No, I don't need to pray for you. You need to submit yourself to the authority of God. Be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and let God do something amazing, marvelous, miraculous in and through you. But until you do that, you'll go from one wreck to another, one tragedy to another, one heartache to another. Oh, pastor, pray for me. I don't have the money to pay my bills this month. Didn't you hear what the guy just said? Come on, folks. When you hear a command with a promise, you got to obey the command to walk in the promise. And if you don't obey the command, you can't claim the promise. See, there's too many believers sitting in church pews and seats today who think that somehow I'm the exception. I've got an agreement with God. Me and God, we made a deal. I got news for you. God doesn't deal with anybody. The deal was made at the cross. And the cross says when you bend your knee and submit your will and your authority to the Lord Jesus Christ, then you can walk to the empty tomb and live in the same power that raised Christ from the dead. So Paul said, but don't you be telling me you're living in the same power that raised Christ from the dead if you've never submitted your lives to God. Not going to happen. Salvation isn't fire insurance. It's a doorway into the presence of God. My prayer is that when this series concludes in a few weeks and someone's had how long, I don't know. I wrote three points and rolling to get maybe through one of them this morning. But when we submit to the power of God, my prayer is that this room and those online will be so full of the Holy Ghost that if a mosquito bites you, he flies away singing there's power in the blood. Come on, that's what I want to see. That's what I desire. God, fill us again. God, fill us again. Let your fire and your power fall on our lives. Why don't we see it? Because many of us quench the Holy Spirit. We restrict Him. We limit Him. We quench what He wants to do in our lives. 
You see, we're connected to him at salvation because he's the spirit that comes and bears witness with our spirit that we are sons of God. So when we're saved, we receive Holy Spirit. But then we choose to live by the principles of the world rather than the principles of the word of God. See, there are so many that are connected to the power source, but they're still living in the dark. You didn't know my dad. My dad lived on a farm in western Oklahoma. My mom passed away 18 years ago. Dad lived another 16 years after she died. Anytime you went out to that farm, and listen to me, this is in the middle of nowhere, so far back in the in the outback, you had to pipe in the daylight. It was the outside of everywhere. And if you went to his house at night, you would think nobody was home because there were no lights on. But there was a light on. It was a 15-watt bulb and a lamp right beside his chair, and that's all he would ever burn. Now, could he afford to light the whole house? Yes, he could have. See, he was connected to the power, but choosing to live in the dark. Some of us are the same way. We're connected to the power of the Holy Spirit through the gift of salvation, but we choose to live in the dark. We choose to quench what He wants to do. We choose to put a a bushel, a cover over our light so no one sees it because we live by worldly principles rather than the Word of God. Listen, the fire of the Holy Ghost cannot quench itself. We are the ones who dampen it. How do we do that? By allowing ungodly thoughts to dwell in our minds. And those ungodly thoughts then build strongholds in our lives. By allowing our emotions to get entangled with ungodly affections. i got to stop right here. Some of y'all need to quit hanging out with Bubba because Bubba's taking you down the wrong path. Some of you all need to stop hanging out with Barbara because she's taking you down the wrong path. I'm telling you, when you make an ungodly emotional attachment with someone else, every demon, every false ideology, everything from hell attached to their life is then attached to your life by that association. It's time for the people of God to break the associations, the emotional ties that hooked you to the things of the world. And it's time to hook into the power of the Holy Ghost. He will never leave you wrong. He will never mislead you. He will never take you astray. He will never cause you to be discouraged or depressed. He is a God who will infect infect you and fill you with the joy of the Lord. When we do that... We begin making decisions from wrong motives. And one day we wake up and we say, hey, I'm a Christian. Why am I here? Because you didn't break the emotional tangles that caused you to make the wrong decisions that led you to the wrong place. Well, I love the way you're shouting now. When we quench the Holy Spirit, we find ourselves soon in rebellion. I've got to park here for a moment. The Old Testament says rebellion, you're not going to like this, but it's the Word of God. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Stubbornness is as idolatry. You're not going to change me, preacher. Your words will never sway me. I know that, but I know the Holy Spirit works through me and through my words to bring conviction into your heart. And if you refuse to submit, you're living in rebellion. 
Well, I've never heard that before. Well, it's time you did hear it. And it's time you submitted your will to the authority of the living God and stopped living in rebellion against Him and His Word. I'm not going to do that. Well, stubbornness is as the sin of idolatry. Wow. You know what, preacher? I just don't like the way you preach. I just don't like the way they sing. I don't like Pastor Isaiah. He's got holes in his jeans. I think I just won't come back to that church because I don't... You know what you're doing? You're being rebellious and you're being stubborn. It's time to submit to the authority of God and let God do what God wants to do in and through your life. Let Him change you. Let Him transform you. Let Him fill you with a power that you've never understood. Why did Paul say in Ephesians 5.18, Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Because he understood one is going to take you a place you shouldn't be going and the other is going to take you into the presence of God. That's for somebody in this room today. You've been battling addictions for far too long. The answer isn't another 12-step program. The answer is one step to the foot of the cross, kneeling in His authority, submitting to His Word, and letting Him transform you and change you. And until you do that, you're going to walk through life the rest of your life saying, I'm an alcoholic, I'm an addict. But once you submit to God and He sets you free, you don't have to proclaim your past as your future. You can say, I am redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been bought back from that curse. I have been set free from that addiction and I am full of the power of the Holy Ghost. When we quench the Holy Spirit, when we stifle Him, when we suppress Him, you ready for this? Then our opinions take precedence over the Word of God. Let me say it one more time. Our opinions then take precedence over the Word of God. You know what? I don't care what you think. What I care is, is your thinking in line with the Word of God? Because if it isn't, you're quenching Holy Spirit. You're stifling what He wants to do in your life. You're replacing your opinions with the Word of God. When we quench Holy Spirit, reading the Bible begins to feel like we're picking up a ton of bricks. It's drudgery. It's work. It's something we try to flee and run from. But when Holy Spirit flows through us, we can't wait to open the pages of the book and receive words of life that transform and change us. When we quench Holy Spirit, we minimize God's Word. And what happens is we resist His power. We reject His authority. Through the storms of life, through the day in which we live, in the last days, through the storms of this life and the challenges of faith, the only way we will remain faithful to Christ is to work and live by His Spirit. Jesus said, hey boys, don't leave Jerusalem. Don't walk out. Don't go back to fishing, or don't go back to tax collecting, or don't go back to being a doctor. Don't leave until you receive the promise of the Father. No time frame was given. 
He didn't say how long they were going to have to wait. We know it was 10 days. But it could have been 10 years as far as they knew. They had no idea. How long do we wait? And you notice they didn't ask how long. When the Spirit of God is present, when the Spirit of God is moving, when the Spirit of God is real, when the Spirit of God is touching hearts and lives. Here you go, Stephen, catch that. We don't care about what time it is. We don't care about how long we've been here. We don't care about the Baptist beating us to the restaurant. All we care about is I want more of you. I want more of you. I want to be immersed. I want to be drenched. I want to be covered. I want to be filled with more of you. Do you hear what I'm saying? They didn't know how long they were going to have to wait, and they didn't care. Why? Because the master gave them a command. And they were determined to obey the commands. What did Jesus say to them in John 14? If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, do what I tell you to do. See, he didn't tell them how long they're going to have to wait. He didn't tell them what they were going to experience. Just that the promise of the Father was going to come to them. Oh, folks, I'm telling you today, I so want you to get this. The greatest gift you'll ever receive is the gift of Holy Spirit in your life. It's the gift of the promise of the Father flowing in and through you. They weren't to leave the city. Until they received the promise of the Father. So often, you and I live beneath what God wants. We live without His protection, His provision, His peace, His presence. Because we just don't have time. I'm telling you, as long as we're concerned about how long it takes to get where He wants us to go, we will never receive the fullness of His promise. Now, I'm not suggesting to you that services have to run until 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I've been in some of those. Some are Holy Ghost services, and some are just generated by man. But I want to stay until He's done, no matter how long that takes. I want to stay until He's finished, until we've all drank, until we can't drink anymore, until our cups are full and overflowing. When we are so concerned about time, we miss the Spirit-filled life. I'm just going to say it. If that's your primary concern, getting out here at 11.30 or 11.45 or 12 o'clock, probably another church would be better for you. That's not the direction God is taking us. And again, it's not my intention to preach for four hours. I've never done it, never will. But it is my intention to be intentional about welcoming the presence of the Holy Spirit. To give Him room to do as He wants to do in our hearts and in our lives. To be certain that every time that I or Pastor Isaiah or someone else steps to this pulpit, we come with a word of life and a word of challenge and give Him the opportunity to do as He desires. See, there's more to this. 
so much more to this than coming into church, lifting our hands in worship, speaking in tongues, dancing a jig. There's so much more to it than that. You see, the spirit-filled life requires that we have faith in God. Too many of us don't. We have faith in ourselves. We have faith in our bank account. We have faith in our 401k. We have faith in our education, our training, our talents, our abilities, but we don't have faith in God. How do I know that? Because every time the rubber meets the road, you're crying out saying, oh, pastor, please help me. Do you understand? I'm a man just like you are. I cannot help you, but I can point you to the one who can. And I can point you to the God who has every answer. I can point you to the God who does miracles. I can point you to the God who is Jehovah Jireh, the meter of your needs, the God who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or even begin to think. I can point you to him. And then it's up to you. Bon and I were talking about it just the other day. There's an old country expression that says you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Folks, I'm trying to lead you to the water of life this morning. I'm trying to lead you to the fountain of the Holy Ghost today. I'm trying to lead you to that place that you'll stand on your feet and say, God, again, fill me with your Holy Spirit. You have to have faith in God. You have to be obedient to God. Because obedience is better than sacrifice. And to listen to what he says, better than the fat of rams. To hearken better than the fat of rams. You see, we can say we have faith in God, but if we don't obey him, we really don't. If we don't submit to his will and his authority, we really don't. And then if we're going to live a spirit-filled life, it has to be empowered by Holy Spirit empowered. Point number one, very quickly. We have to understand God is personal to each one of us. When Holy Spirit works through my life, He works with who I am and with what I have. When Holy Spirit chooses to give me His gift in my life, He does so according to who I am, the place I'm in, and the need that's before me. He's personal. He will operate differently in your life today than he will next week. He's personal. See, here's where we find a problem in Pentecost. Because we had this experience with Holy Spirit, then everybody should have the same experience with Holy Spirit. Because when I got filled with the Holy Spirit... This is an illustration. I'm not telling you a true story. When I got filled with the Holy Spirit, they say, I ran to the back of the church, I slapped the wall, and God knocked me down. He's personal to you. Maybe that's what they needed. When I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I danced, I sing, I shouted all through the service. When I got filled with the Holy Spirit, He knocked me on my face and I laid there for hours. See, the problem is we tried to make our experience the pattern, the formula by which God moves through everybody's life. And that's not the way it works. He's personal. I said, he's personal. He sees me. He knows me. He knows who I am. He knows what I need. And he responds in that manner. He's personal. For some, you're going to sing and shout. 
when the Holy Spirit comes on you. For some, you're going to fall on your face in holy reverence. For some, you're going to lead a Jericho march, only you won't be marching, you'll be running. For some, you're simply going to sit in His presence and reverence the power of the mighty God because He is personal. He's personal to each one of us. Do you realize that you can go to Europe today and there are churches, cathedrals, that are absolutely beautiful in their architecture, appointed and ordained with gold and silver and the finest things. But you know what they're missing? Holy Spirit. God long departed. You see, anytime we try to put a pattern for what the church looks like, God's going to blow it up. Because God says, you don't understand what I want to do, and what I want to do is be personal to every individual. I want to meet you where you're at. I want to deal with your issues. I want to take them away and fill you with power and then change you for all of eternity. It's interesting that when God made Adam and Eve, He put DNA in them so that those who come after them may resemble them, but they wouldn't be exactly alike. Look around you today. Is there anyone that looks just like you in this room? No, thank God. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Is there anyone in this room that acts just like you? Probably not. See, God is personal. He moves in who we are and what we are. And if we aren't careful, we'll become just like those churches in Europe. We have a great facade. We look wonderful, but we're empty and hollow on the inside. Because we no longer have the power of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 4, 6 says, And because you are sons, God has sent forth His Spirit, the Spirit of His Son, into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. Because you're His sons, He sends His Spirit, which identifies you with Jesus, whereby you then cry, Abba, Father. What does that say? It says that when you accept Christ as your Savior, Holy Spirit comes to mark you. And to identify you as a son of the living God. Romans 8 9 says, But you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. If any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. You have to have the Holy Spirit marked by him to be a son of God. John 14, 16 and 17. I will pray the Father. He shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. The word comforter from the Greek is paraclete. And that word means literally helper, comforter, intercessor, advocate, counselor. What's it tell me? It tells me that whatever I need, whenever I need it, Holy Spirit is all I need. He's there for me. Verse 17, even the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. See, God, the Holy Spirit, becomes personal to each and every one of us. When we repent of our sins and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for our salvation and accept his sacrifice, then Holy Spirit becomes personal to you and me, and He begins to live in our lives. 
The life that we now live, we live by faith in the Son of God who loves us and gave himself for us. It becomes a dynamic life, an empowered life, a spirit-filled life. And we've got to understand. Tom, would you come back, please? We've got to understand. When Holy Spirit displays His power in and through our lives, then suddenly we're living just like the New Testament saints. We're living the life described throughout the book of Acts. We don't run from demons. We cast them out. We don't pull back from sickness or disease. We release the gift of healing and the working of miracles over their lives. Folks, we're going to talk about all nine of those gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. You realize Paul enumerates nine of them. He talks about the knowledge gifts, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. He talks about the power gifts, and the power gifts are the working of miracles, faith, and healings. And he talks about the inspiration gifts, prophecy, tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. We're going to talk about all nine of those, put them in context, and show you how they work in your lives. See, we've got to understand when the Holy Spirit lives in us, the person of God is in us. And when we are filled with Holy Spirit, the power, the presence, the promises of God are flowing in and through our lives. No believer was ever created to be a reservoir, but we're rivers through which the Word of God, the Holy Spirit of God flows through our life. So we need to understand Him, Holy Spirit. We need to understand He speaks. Oh yeah, He has a voice and He speaks. He speaks into our hearts and into our lives. He speaks through the Word of God. He speaks through other believers. He speaks. And understand, He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He has the same attributes as God the Father. He is not less. He is not diminished. He's not the leftover. Holy Spirit is God. And He moves in and through our lives. You understand, he leads. He leads. Someone asked me just this last week, how did you end up in Tallahassee when you lived in Colorado? He leads. You know what I told him? I said, well, sometimes God is Jehovah Nisi. Sometimes he's Jehovah Sneaky. <laughs> he kind of snuck one up on us. Holy Spirit leads. He helps us. He can be resisted. He can be grieved, and yet he can be pleased. Every aspect of the personality of God is displayed in Holy Spirit. He is not in any way diminished. Just as Jesus was the Son of God, and he moved on this planet, and he displayed the works of God for the purpose of destroying the works of the devil, Holy Spirit now moves on the planet, moves in the lives of men and women, moves in the lives of boys and girls, moves in the lives of teenagers. He fills them until they overflow, so they invade the place where they're at, and his presence makes a difference to all those around him. You made it to the end of the message, and now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? Then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.